And welcome to the UVM podcast, folks, the place where we discuss all things related to utility vegetation management and the ways in which we can collectively improve the reliability, safety, and legal and regulatory compliance on our transmission and distribution networks. Our objectives here, quite simple, no outages, no fires, and no one gets hurt. Nick, how's it going, my friend? Yeah, going very good. Thanks, Steve. Juggling a couple of children at the moment and also in the process of preparing a presentation for this year's CSE Vegetation Management Conference. You want to hear the title? Uh, I guess. So it's called Cuffs, COVID and Syslabits. Learnings from the first year of the UVM podcast. Oh, jeez, Nick. Well, two things strike me from that. First, shoehorning Sislovitz into an alliteration is something that not even Lynn manuel Miranda would be proud of. And second, I can't believe it's been a year already. Well, not quite, Steve. We started discussing the idea of a podcast for the UVM industry in 2020, started recording in August 2021, and went live in October 2021. For listeners interested in the conference, here's a short message from the event manager. Hi everyone, so my name is Ari Tellenson. I'm a research manager here at CIADI International. CIADI stands for the Center of Energy Advancement through Technological Innovation. It's a user-driven organization committed to providing impactful solutions to our member utilities, leveraging the benefits of our powerful network and providing technical expertise. CIADI's transmission conference will take place on November 15th to 16th this year in Atlanta, Georgia, and will focus on utility best practices, tools, and technologies to improve resiliency, planning, and preparation to mitigate the impacts of climate change. In previous years, CIADI offered a dedicated vegetation management conference. This year, we're excited to be including the vegetation management event as a part of the larger transmission conference, featuring dedicated sessions on important topics such as wildfire prevention and mitigation, climate change impacts, and preparing for extreme events, as well as looking at emerging technologies. With more than 60 utilities from North America and overseas attending this event, you won't miss out on this opportunity to network with these thought leaders. This conference will provide attendees with a better understanding of climate change development and their impacts on the electric power industry. This conference is an industry open event with registration open to electric utilities, consultants, equipment vendors, research facilities, and laboratory, as well as academics. Thank you very much. I hope you see you at this event. And thanks to uh, Siati for providing that uh, brief summary of the conference. So yeah, I think today's topic is an important one. Is that right, Steve? Yes, indeed, Nick. This podcast episode will cover an issue I believe we haven't historically paid much attention to, at least as an industry. As you know, I did a lot of benchmarking with utilities since around the year 2000, and that benchmarking involved me asking them a lot of questions about how they run their UVM programs, what KPIs or metrics they use to manage and track progress. During that two-decade period, I noticed that while all utilities could consistently answer questions like how many tree-related outages they had or how long their stated distribution cycle was, there were several questions they couldn't answer. And to this day, they still can't answer. So, yeah, you're quite correct there, Steve. Um, you know, while new technologies are indeed helping to answer a lot of questions and provide better tracking tools for the industry, there are still a few critical questions that most of the utility arborists can't answer. And our hope, uh, sincere hope, is that this episode will motivate our listeners to pay attention to the rule of 70. 
Before we get into the Rule of 70, what it is and why it's so important to every UVM program, let's welcome our guest who will help us unpack that rule. And our guest today is none other than our old friend and past guest, Larry Kahn. Larry is the Visiting Research Fellow at Tulane's Utility Vegetation Management Initiative and our go-to academic when it comes to discussing these types of issues. So welcome back to the seat, Larry. Great to be back with you, Nick and Steve. I'm looking forward to our discussion today. Hey, Larry, uh, good to see you again, and thanks for being here. I'm guessing the best place to start today is by explaining exactly what the Rule of 70 is. Absolutely. Uh, The Rule of 70 is actually a finance and investment term. It is used to determine the number of years it takes for a variable to double. That number is determined by dividing the number 70 by the variable's growth rate. Usually, the Rule of 70 is used to determine how long it will take for an investment to double based on the annual rate of return. So if you put $100 in a stock that provides a compounded 10% rate of return each year, it should take seven years for you to double your money to $200. If the rate of return was only 5%, it would take you 14 years to double your money. Yeah, there's actually a couple of quotes that are attributed to Einstein on this. uh, When asked what mankind's greatest invention was he allegedly replied compound interest the eighth wonder of the world he also allegedly said on the subject that he who understands it earns it and he who doesn't pays it but as this is a utility vegetation management podcast larry and not a podcast on financial independence curious to hear what this has to do with uh, with uvm <laughs> well, I actually think it may be one of the most important metrics that every UVM program should be tracking. Let me explain. Uh, while the rule of 70 is generally applied to investments, it also applies directly to projecting UVM workloads. For every 1,000 trees on your system, if you have an additional 100 trees added each year, which represents 10%, then every seven years, you wind up doubling the number of trees you're going to have to manage. That would mean 1,000 trees in year one, 2,000 trees in year eight, 4,000 trees in year 15, and so on. Let let me jump in here a second, Larry, and add some history to the Rule 70 as applied to UVM programs. In my prior benchmarking, I asked utilities, what percent of new trees are added to your workload every year as a result of either new plantings and or natural or volunteer propagation, only one out of those 60 utilities actually had the answer to that. And the only reason that particular utility knew was because their tree inventories were updated every cycle, and they were required to explain why the ongoing budget requirements were continuing to grow. That utility said they added 10% of new trees every year to their distribution program. And that's a sobering statistic, Steve. And based on their answer and the rule of 70, they were actually doubling their workload of trees every seven years or so. It also suggests that just to maintain the status quo for their ongoing UVM costs, they needed to be removing at least 10% of the trees they touch every year. Curious, Steve, did you ask them their removal rate per year? Yes, it was actually a quite logical follow-up question. They said that they removed about 5% of the trees that they touch every year. That, of course, means that rather than doubling their workload once every seven years, they were doubling their workload once every 14 years. So the rule of 70 sounds like it should be a consideration of everyone who runs a UVM program. 
because it provides a clear and critical workload projection. Uh, also, perhaps the grounds to justify a larger budget to do more today. I agree. And as I mentioned, only one out of the 60 or so utilities I asked even knew how many trees were added to their workload every year. So, Larry, can we talk a bit about the future of tree planting? Do you think that we will see more tree planting in the near future or less? There's no doubt in my mind that we're going to see a lot more tree planting in the future. As you're probably aware, the U.S. government has just pledged to plant one billion more trees. Also, the list of companies committing to planting trees to try to offset predicted global warming increases daily. Tree planting organizations have seen donations increase over the last several years, and new tree planting organizations are developing all across the country. Organizations like Trillion Tree have committed to planting more trees, as have numerous other well-meaning organizations all across the globe. Moreover, and separately, there are numerous federal and state programs throughout the United States that will provide funding for environmental improvement projects, such as energy conservation, and many of those, likewise, focus on tree planting. Additionally, organizations like American Forests have developed maps showing discrepancies in what they call tree equity, meaning which neighborhoods have trees and which don't. The tree equity score has become important in considering property value and direction. And so house sellers are engaging in tree planting to improve property sale pricing. Larry, if I can paraphrase that, what you're saying is there will necessarily be more plantings in the future, and a lot of them will be planted near power lines. Yes, and that is why I agree with you that the rule of 70 needs to become an urgent metric for folks running UVM programs. In recent years, I've noticed that not many utilities are paying attention to future workloads to the extent they should be. It's been over 20 years since your first benchmarking study, and yet even the best-managed UVM programs can only still make assumptions of the volume of tree work to be performed in each upcoming year. The UVM problem is unwieldy enough already. If we wait another seven years, the problems we are encountering may roughly double in scope. That means more outages, more fires, and more people getting hurt, and of course, more ratepayer dollars being spent on pruning and removing trees near distribution power lines without anyone really fully understanding what the budget cycle will look like in the next year, two years, five years, or 10 years. Yeah, I'm glad that you specified distribution lines because our current transmission right-of-way practices seem to avoid the problem of new tree planting through the use of IVM. Is that correct? Yes, I think you're right, Nick. FAC 003 requirements and the fact that most utilities have control over their transmission right-of-ways does mean that they can pluck out new plantings or volunteers once they identify them during their required yearly patrols. My impression is that when it comes to UVM, transmission lines are getting close to having a stable state of vegetation on the right-of-ways. However, the same can't be said about distribution lines because the utilities don't have as much control over new tree plantings. They don't own the land more often than not, they don't inspect their lines once a year, and they generally only worry about dealing with the trees when they get close to the wires. 
I think you're right, Larry. And I'd also point out that uh, for transmission, the combination of FAC 003 requirements and the application of IVM addresses the problem of Rule 70s, at least on transmission systems. And this, of course, all begs the question, Larry, um, you know, how do we address the Rule of 70 on distribution? Well, I would suggest the first thing to do is to recognize that every UVM program should be tracking how many new trees are added to their workload every year. As Steve pointed out earlier, very few utilities are currently doing that. Once they know how many new trees are being added, they need to compare that with the percentage of trees they remove every year. If it is approximately the same, then the utility doesn't have to worry about major increases in future workloads. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Larry, that you know, every utility should be capturing that data as a standard and an ongoing part of their operations. And I'd suggest that technology could also be used to figure that out. That's absolutely right, Nick. LiDAR data would capture this information, but it is costly. A strong alternative would be through the use of satellite data, which I think could be beneficially used to not only track new trees through change detection, but to compare the number of new trees to the number of removed trees over a very wide area. This would establish a baseline inventory. Satellite data would also be helpful in showing whether there is an unequal distribution of new growth, which would also help in management and budget decision-making. You can't use the rule of 70 if you don't know what you currently have. I also think that in the near future, AI and machine learning will also play a larger role in our inventory and work on other people's trees on distribution systems. Sounds like another podcast topic for us in the near future. Mature trees are much easier to detect than saplings with remote sensing technology. And therefore, there might be a delay in action performed today versus when the results of net new trees could be detected. So it could be a, a lagging indicator you know, in the order of, uh, of a few to several years. Yeah, any thoughts on this, Steve? I agree, Nick. That sounds like a good topic for an upcoming episode. Before we carry on with this episode, let's take a quick moment to hear from this week's sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Live EO. Live EO offers the market-leading satellite-based vegetation management solution, which helps vegetation managers to improve network reliability and safety. The software automatically generates grid-wide vegetation overviews from up-to-date satellite imagery and provides insights about tree location, height, species, and vitality. The system calculates the vegetation risk for each span and helps in budgeting and prioritizing cutback activities. Visit live-eo.com UVM to find out more and to schedule a free demo, or simply send a message to info at live-eo.com. And welcome back, folks. Steve, you were saying? Larry, I, I think we've covered the problems associated with not tracking the rule of 70s in UVM. But a larger question, at least to me, should be this. Rather than just anticipate doubling our workload over a certain period of time, what can we do to prevent that from happening in the first place? Thanks, Steve. I was hoping you'd ask that. We as an industry can do a lot of things to prevent adding to our workload inventories while simultaneously enjoying the benefits of the additional and unquestionable need for new plantings. For starters, we need to get serious about right tree, right place efforts. While we all have websites that promote it, very few utilities are actively ensuring proper plantings. Let me give you an example. 
If a customer wants a new power line installed to feed their property, why aren't we involved at the engineering stage to ensure we don't build it through a grove of incompatible trees? Why aren't we dealing with the customer's landscaping plans before the lines go in? I don't see much effort in making sure we prevent the problems from happening in the first place. And if you recall, during our first podcast interview, I also talked about the power of tree ordinances to prevent improper plantings on both public and private lands. Tulane is currently working with Arbor Day Foundation to build a model ordinance. But utilities are free today to work with their local communities in coming up with ordinances that prevent outages, fires, and accidents that result from improper plantings. This effort would be an extremely valuable use of time and effort for every utility out there. I see a lot of benefit from utilities proactively engaging with the communities they serve to ensure that those communities benefit from having more trees in general and that the utilities benefit from ensuring that tree planting is choiceful and won't result in an increased burden on both the utility and the ratepayers from those communities. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, Larry. Uh, you know, I look at the investment of time and money in ensuring widespread right tree, right place, like the investments we make uh, into you know, our space program, for example. If we spend a dollar now on preventing bad plantings, we can expect a tenfold return in reduced tree and power line conflicts. And of course, continually increasing UVM budgets and the resultant higher electric bills to pay for all that UVM work to be done. Well, Nick, I obviously agree with both your comments. Larry, since we're at the end of our time today, maybe you can summarize our discussion and provide our listeners with some takeaways. Sure, Steve. Uh, But first, thank you both for having me on the program this week. Tulane's UVMI and I personally enjoy our collaborations, and we look forward to having more discussions on a wide variety of topics in the future. As to your direct question, my two messages today are simply this. One, If you don't know how many new trees are added to your inventory every year, you have no clue how big your problems will become in the future. If you don't track and apply the rule of 70, you run the risk of ever-increasing UVM needs that could swiftly balloon out of control. Two, as an industry, we need to get serious about ensuring right tree, right place. Achieving the implementation of widespread RTRP involves a lot more work than we are currently doing. The good news is, it will be worth our efforts to get us closer to this podcast's objectives. No outages, no fires, and no one gets hurt. Well, Larry, thanks for ending with our tagline. We appreciate that. And of course, appreciate your time and support here today. Uh, Nick, anything you'd like to add before we say toodaloo or adieu? Just uh, thinking, you know, would it be interesting to take a look at perhaps uh, you know past uvm budgets and you know see how they've progressed over time you know adjusted for things like in inflation are we seeing a you know an increase in budget that would imply you know the workload is doubling on you know perhaps a seven-year basis uh, you know, given that there's there's such a wide range of variables that could impact this i'm just thinking you know is there any data out there that would help verify that what's been observed in practice aligns with what we've discussed today. I'm sure Larry have an answer, but I'll jump in here real quick and just add this. Tragically and historically, 
budgets weren't necessarily driven by actual workloads. Uh, when you go back in our benchmarking, we found out that a lot of utilities budgets were not based on workload, but were just based on what they spent the preceding years. So I think there's value in looking at that, but I think there's also going to be things that would uh, skew the numbers, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Larry, anything to add to that? Uh, well, actually, Steve, you and I have previously discussed uh, what happened as a result of an increased awareness of the need to protect the public from vegetation and distribution line conflicts. And that resulted often in a multiple of the prior year's budget. I think you said that you, in fact, saw for programs that you've run a trebling of the budget every time there's some new way of looking at the UVM problem. That's an excellent observation. Let me add to that. What I meant by that was when I was running a very large investor-owned utility UVM program in California, when we adopted Rule 35, which is one of the most stringent rules for distribution lines, every major utility in the state tripled their budget. So yes, there's a lot of things that influence uh, and would influence a retrospective on how budgets change. Uh, And I think it's We'll note it's things like the Northeast blackout, for example, caused utilities around North America to upgrade and typically ramp up their budgets for transmission. And as I just mentioned, in California, the rule changes there also ended up tripling budgets. So it's a good question, Nick, uh, and I think we should pursue that. I, If I could add, I'd say that the other thing to consider is liability from lawsuits. Uh, you know, I think that the recent PG&E bankruptcy uh, in order to respond to uh, the the campfire was one of those wake-up calls for the entire industry to be able to say, hey, wait a minute, are we doing this right? And if we're not, what are we exposing ourselves to? And are we in danger of also going bankrupt because we're going to face the kinds of claims from not taking care of our UVM problems that could put us out of business. And if that's the case, what do we do? And managing your workload by understanding what you have and what needs to be done, and then making sure you really have set aside the budget to do it properly, I think that is a critical component. I I think you're right. And if I can kind of paraphrase what you just said and what I'd said earlier, what will dictate uh, our ability to respond and create effective UVM programs will be one, regulatory expectations like new laws and regulations, but also societal expectations and internal expectations about, for example, the C-suites at most major utilities in wildfire-prone areas, uh, the C-suites at these major utilities are putting on a great deal of pressure uh, for utilities to do a much better job in preventing fires. And finally, I agree that understanding your workload is a key to all of this, to coming up with the most appropriate budget. On that note then, Larry, an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us today as our uh, resident academic. My pleasure, Nick. Uh, Thank you everyone for listening and until next time then. I will then end this episode with a message for our listeners. If you have an ISA qualification and are a member of the UAA, look to see if there's an asterisk in the episode title indicating there are CEUs available. Then simply click the link in the show notes to take you to the corresponding multiple choice quiz for the episode. 
Alternatively, just navigate to the UAA website, log in, and then click on quizzes. For those in the audience who'd also love to get feedback from you and would also welcome input on future guests or topics you'd like to cover, simply just send us an email to podcast at utilityvegetationmanagement.com and we'll make it happen. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast, please feel free to review it and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. So that's it for today's episode. See you on the next one.